Los Angeles, or good morning, depending on your perspective. It is just past midnight on Friday night, and we are here live in the KKLA studios in Glendale, and I'm here joined with my good friend Tony Yu. My name is Jason Gallagher, and this is the Apologetics.com radio show. Apologetics.com radio show challenges believers to think and thinkers to believe. Tony Yu, my good friend who's in studio with me, is um, a fellow evangelist who loves to go out on the streets of Los Angeles and Southern California and share the gospel with people. So, Tony, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about evangelism. Um, tomorrow, we're going to be doing an all-day outreach at Huntington Beach by Lifeguard Station 7. There'll be uh, tents set up. There'll be a Christian flag with a cross on there, so you can find us that way. We'll be uh, giving out food if you can help with a little bit of money to cover the cost, that would be great. But if you want to learn how to do evangelism, I will be there to show anybody, and there will be other people who can show people how to evangelize. So come on out, enjoy the food and the fellowship and the worship, and learn how to evangelize. Amen. So what do you guys do? You guys uh, you guys have guitars, and you guys worship out there? And I'm hoping to, uh, to get some worship leaders out there. Uh, that's not 100% guaranteed. But we will have food, we'll have uh, some Bible studies, we'll do evangelism, uh, some refreshments. So it'll be an all-day thing from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Wow. That's awesome. Is there a name for that ministry, or is it just kind of a group of people who you know, want to go out and evangelize? It's a part of uh, Calvary Chapel's Seek and Surf, uh, run by Richard Guerrero. Seek and, and Surf. And uh, for now, he's covering the cost with his own money. So if you can help out, that'd be great. If not... Don't let that stop you. Please come on out. We want to just uh, share God's love with you. Awesome. Yeah, you know, here at Apologetics.com, you guys, we are not, you know, we're not geared around a particular personality, you know, a big kind of celebrity type name. We are really just a group of Christians who love the Lord. You know, I'm a deacon at my church, Branch of Hope, and... You know, we have a heart for apologetics. We have a heart for evangelism. And, you know, we don't just come on here and, you know, do, you know, try to be, you know, all fancy and stuff. We we are on the streets engaging people around us with the gospel, right? We believe that the main way our culture is going to be changed, is going to be won, the main reason and... um you know, that we're Christians is so that we can be like Jesus, right? And Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his main reason for being here. Um, He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we want to see as many people as possible come to know Jesus Christ. And it is through that heart for evangelism, for seeing people come to Christ, that we then have a heart to go talk to people and share the good news. And so, Tony, my good friend, we've spent countless hours and days, you know, all around Los Angeles. And through that, if you are interested in apologetics, which this show is about, it's an apologetics show, um, the best way to learn is simply by getting out there and talking to people, right? 
you're going to seek to share the good news of the gospel with them, and you're going to meet all kinds of people from all different walks of life with all sorts of different views about life and death and the Bible and Jesus and everything else, you know, outer space, aliens, you name it. Um, And you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged to give people meaningful answers, truthful answers, you know, from Scripture. And that process will drive you back to the Scriptures. It'll drive you to the Bible to find out how to better reach these people. Um, You know, just like if you're trying to get good at anything, you know, um, any sport, any, you know, activity, learning a new talent or skill, you're going to have to put time and energy into that. And so we just encourage you guys to take advantage of these sort of opportunities. My, my email, if you guys want to get in touch with me is Jason at apologetics.com. Feel free to email me. I'd love to chat with you offline, get to know you a little bit and be happy to meet up with you, go evangelize with you and, you know, teach you, um, a little bit how to do that. And we are a listener, uh, you know, we exist for you guys, right? You, This is a call-in show. We are here live in studio, and we would love for you to call us. The, the number you can reach us at is 1-888-995-KKLA. It's 995-KKLA. Um, or if you, don't, if you want the numbers, it's 888 so if you have questions about Christianity, the Bible, ethics, morality, religion, current events, culture, or anything really, uh, please pick up that phone and give us a call. We would love to chat with you. And tonight we're going to be talking about a couple of related topics, one of which is progressive Christianity. And as we discuss progressive Christianity it will lead us into another tangential conversation about the importance of our duty as Christians to speak to people, not only intellectually, but also emotionally, right? Especially in the apologetic endeavor, you know, I believe this is somewhat of a lost art. Um, We are pretty focused on speaking to people's intellect, but we don't often think too much about speaking to a person's heart. And hopefully we will be able to shed some light on this area throughout our conversation tonight, but we're going to do it in the context of progressive Christianity, um, which you may or may not have heard about. If you haven't heard the term progressive Christianity, you may have heard the term emergent church or emerging church, and progressive Christianity is somewhat of a rebranding of the emergent church using a different name, Throwing in the term progressive, which is kind of a, a new catchy term that some people who are of that mindset will latch onto. You know, they might be anti-religion. You know, they might think um, religion is old and outdated and needs to be somewhat reinvented. And so this idea of progressive Christianity appeals to them. Um, And it's ultimately an attempt to appeal to the postmodern mindset. Um, So, Tony, I'm going to throw out a definition from Wikipedia, and then let's jump into a little bit about progressive Christianity, right? Who are some of the names, um, the players, what it's about? 
what is some of their theology differences that might seem different than traditional um, Reformed Protestant biblical Christianity. So Wikipedia actually does a pretty good job. I was reading through this recently, and I think it kind of captures it. It's honest, an honest definition that I think is helpful. And it says this, it says, Progressive Christianity is a post-liberal movement within Christianity that seeks to reform the faith via the insights of postmodernism and a reclaiming of the truth beyond the verifiable historicity and factuality of the passages in the Bible by affirming the truths within the stories that may not have actually happened. So, and then it continues, it says, Progressive Christianity represents a postmodern theological approach, and it is not necessarily synonymous with progressive politics. It is developed out of the liberal Christianity movement of the modern era, which which was rooted in Enlightenment thinking. So um, post-liberal movement seeks to reform the faith via the insights of postmodernism and a reclaiming of the truth beyond the verifiable historicity of uh, the scriptures. So what do you think about that, Tony? That's actually a pretty good description. And I would say maybe an alternate phrase to replace the phrase postmodern is maybe post-truth because when confronted with scriptural text, they, they shy away from dealing with the text. They try to twist it or just ignore it. So, they very rarely preach out of the Bible in context, maybe never. And they will tell stories to uh, promote a narrative, to promote what they call Christian ideals. Mm-hmm. And the, these ideals in and of themselves are not bad, mm-hmm. but they're not the gospel. They're not the main point of the Bible. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, feeding the poor. Christians are all about that. Christians mm-hmm. are right on the ground in the areas where homeless people are found, we are the ones right. giving food to the poor. But that's not the gospel. And that's not right. the primary aim of the Bible. Mm-hmm. The Bible is a spiritual book about spiritual things, with byproducts being that the physical world is impacted and benefited when we change on the inside. So um, progressive Christianity is very much about the here and now, mm-hmm. dealing with uh, progressive politics issues such as poverty, such as uh, injustice, uh, such as race, racial reconciliation, all good things, but they're not the yeah. primary things. Right. So one thing I've noticed, um, and you kind of touched on it a bit, is progressive Christianity um, It kind of morphs one of the core doctrines of Christianity, um, which every religion outside of Christianity does, right? Every religion that is not Christian becomes what is called auto-soteriological, which means auto meaning self, soteriology meaning salvation, right? The study of salvation. Um, and so they become these, these man-made systems that people look to 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 save themselves, to make themselves uh, worthy of, say, salvation. Um, if we look at the About Us 
or um, what Progressive Christianity calls eight points of progressive Christianity on the website, progressivechristianity.org. Um, it talks a lot about um, creating, you know, like committing to lifelong learning and committing to work toward peace and justice and committing to protect and restore the integrity of our earth and of all creation. And you, and uh, you start reading this, it's like a list of do's, right? That's really right. is. It's, uh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, and you need to do this, which is not the gospel at all. You know, and so I think that's one of the most dangerous things about it is it becomes you need to do all these social justice, quote unquote, things um, that in order to be a Christian, in order to connect with, you know, they don't even they put God in quotes, you know, this mystical connection to a quote unquote God um, by doing these things. It's all about dealing with symptoms of the, of the disease but they never deal with the root cause of the disease. Right. They fail to recognize that the root cause of all the ills that we see in the world, they have to do with the sinfulness of man. If you deal mm-hmm. with the core issue of sin in human beings, all these other issues will automatically be dealt with. People who are born again and who are truly following Jesus, we don't go and murder. We don't steal. Mm-hmm. At least we shouldn't. And right. The data tells us that we, by and large, succeed at that. Mm-hmm. Not perfectly, but we are making progress, huge progress. Countries that are, have been Christianized, their society completely changes for the better. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's Jeremiah 31 talks about the new covenant, right, that God promises to uh, the Old Testament people. And, you know, what it says to them, I'll I'll read it from Jeremiah 31. This is exactly what Tony's talking about. Uh, Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 33, says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. And in particular, it's this idea of God when he changes someone's heart, like Tony said, when someone's born again, he puts his law in their minds and writes it on their hearts. So... God's law, the Ten Commandments, right? The first four commandments have to do with our relationship to God. And the, sec- the, the last six commandments, the second tablet of the law, has to do with our love towards our neighbor, our relationship towards our fellow man. And like Tony said, when God changes your heart, you will no longer desire to dishonor your parents, right? You will, you will want to honor your parents, you will no longer desire to hate, which is murder. You will no longer desire to commit adultery or fornicate or commit sexual immorality or, you know, sexual ethics. I mean, sexual ethics, we might get into this a little bit later, but it's a huge cause and it's a huge root problem of everything we see in our society, you know, um, which we won't jump into at this moment, but I think we're going to touch on that later. Um you know, 
the eighth commandment, you shall not steal, right? You won't go around stealing. The ninth commandment is you shall not lie. You know, you won't be lying to people um, or coveting what other people have. So when God changes a person, as Tony said, those people now become uh, people who are a blessing to the, the people around them, you know? Um, they care for the people. They care for the poor. They care for the homeless. You know, they want to see people change. They want to see people um, reconciled to God. You know, and it's a you know, it's a beautiful thing. And that is at the heart of what we want to communicate to people. And that's really the answer to all of the problems that we see in our world today. It's an answer progressive Christianity doesn't have. And the key to having God write his law into our heart and changing human beings and changing our behavior and changing the world is given in the New Testament fulfillment of Jeremiah 31, which is in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The way the world will be changed for good and in a lasting, meaningful, deep way is for people to become in Christ, to be born again. Then we become new creations. Then these old things of lust and anger and theft and, mm-hmm. and murder, those things will be a things, of, things of the past. They will pass away. So we can try to take care of uh, violence all we want. We can tell people not to hurt each other all we want, but until they're changed on the inside, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a really interesting conversation recently on Facebook and basically just said along the lines of, you know, that no amount of legislation w- or laws, right, is going to change the root problem of racism, which is which is really hatred, right? And I quoted a passage from Titus, you know, which talked about how we used to be um, people who were full of hate. And, you know, Titus 3 says, uh, for we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, right? And that's what we see today in our world. You know, racism is a form of hatred, it's literally hating a, another person because of, you know, the color of their skin, right? And we used to have that, that hatred in us, all of us, on some level. But when the kindness and the love of God in Titus it continues, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, that having been justified by his grace— we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so my point was that no amount of legislation, laws, will solve this problem, right? And we're talking about racism right now because that's just a huge kind of topic right now. Um, and if, if, if you make laws, right, and we have so many laws in existence today that prevent discrimination on, you know, a number of bases, right? And so there are already a lot of laws that prevent this, um, but it hasn't rid us of this problem at all, right? Um, It's been 40 years, 50 years since the civil rights movement, right? Martin Luther King changed, you know, changed a lot of things for the better, 
Um, but we kind of find ourselves back in that place where there's hatred between, you know, different people groups. And the laws haven't solved that problem. And what's going to happen is hatred will just continue to morph into different manifestations until the root issue is dealt with. And that root issue is the heart, this hatred. And the only answer is the gospel, uh, God's mercy, renewing of the Holy Spirit. And the sad thing about progressive Christianity as it relates to this conversation is that they don't believe in the biblical gospel. And maybe you could touch on some of that, yeah. um, Tony. The only tool that will work in curing the disease that men have in their hearts is the gospel. And that's the only tool that progressive Christianity rejects. It brings me to Philippians 3.9, and be not found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through Christ, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Mm-hmm. Human beings can write all the laws they want, Mm-hmm. Even God can write all the laws he wants. We'll never obey it unless God gives us his righteousness through faith in Christ. Mm. Amen. And it doesn't make sense to the human mind. But when Jesus said you must be born again to see the kingdom of God, he's telling you that there is a new birth that happens to every man and woman who places their faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural thing that happens in an instant the instant that you truly believe. Mm-hmm. Now, it plays out over a lifetime of growing in Christ. But the very moment you've truly trusted in Jesus and only Jesus, then this process begins and society begins to flourish. Right. And so this idea of faith and righteousness leads to justice, right? Right. And this whole... This whole topic, this whole progressive Christianity and a lot of what we're dealing with right now in our culture is this idea of social justice, right? And so, you know, I think it's really interesting, you know, when I was comment, when I made that comment on Facebook, you know, about only the gospel will be the answer. People are like, well, shouldn't we make laws that stop this sort of thing? I said, yes, we should. God has given us laws, and we should make just laws, and our laws should line up with God's justice and God's word. And God simply says, do not murder. And then he says, if you hate someone, you're guilty of murder. You know, so he says, do not hate, right? So we should have a law that says, yeah, do not hate. Like, God has already given us that law. And guess what? People have ignored it. You know, people have disobeyed it. But here's the point. You hear all this term of social justice, let's fight for justice, but how do you define justice, right? Justice (laughs) comes from a place of righteousness, right? Only someone who is truly righteous can actually decree things and laws that are just. If you have an unrighteous government, let's, let's say Nazi Germany, right? An unright from an unrighteous government or place of authority comes unrighteous or unjust laws, right? So in order to have truly just laws, you must have true righteousness. And true righteousness, as Tony just declared, only comes through a true faith. And that's a faith in God, Jesus Christ, 
right? His death, burial, and resurrection. So the problem is everybody has faith in something. Everybody is looking to something to establish what they believe is righteous, right? And then that authority that they look to then carries out what they believe is justice. And so you can't separate, you know, the problem that we're dealing with of justice in our society from faith, you know, because everyone has faith in something. And it's just a matter, and that's why, again, this, this goes back to the foundation, which is people need to put their faith in the, the true God, the righteous God, in order for true justice to ever happen. And um, from, unless you want to jump in, Tony, um, the progressive Christian website under the About Us section, it says, it asks a few questions to see if people would be good for progressive Christianity. And one of the questions is, um, are you repelled by claims that Christianity is the only way? Absolutely not. It makes me happy. (laughs) Yeah. So they're looking for people who are repelled by Christianity being the only way of salvation. It's a pluralistic sort of idea. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it comes from a good place because you want everyone to make it to heaven. Mm-hmm. So the idea that Christianity is the only way repels some people. Mm-hmm. But the question is, what's true? Right. And the question is, can you know what's true? Yeah. And here at apologetics.com, we're all about explaining how you know the Bible is true, how you know God is real. Mm-hmm. And once you have a grasp of that, you will never let go of it. Mm-hmm. You can know for sure that the Bible is true, that God exists. Mm-hmm. Faith is not about knowing those things are true. Faith is knowing that God is going to keep his promises. Adam and Eve in the garden knew that God existed, but their failure in faith has nothing to do with God's existence or that the Bible is true. Their failure in faith was not believing God at his word. Mm, Amen. Yeah, we do. At Apologetics.com, we want people to know the truth, and hopefully we're helping you to do that. But we also want you to know it in your heart. And so we're going to come back after this message and talk a little bit about that. How do we speak to people's heart in such a way that the truth actually resonates with them? Um, We'll be right back after these messages. Thanks. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Everyone has ideas about God. Unfortunately, many people hold false ideas about Him, and these ideas have consequences. Some false ideas have led people to worship a God of their own making, while others have led people to reject God altogether. This year, we've devoted an entire conference to answering the most common false ideas about God. Is God anti-gay? Is God good? Do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? These are just a few of the topics we'll be addressing. The only way to guard against false ideas is to fill our minds with true ideas. So join me and a number of other speakers at one of this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences. Find out more information about Rethink by going to RethinkApologetics.com. That's RethinkApologetics.com. We are at war. It's not a war of bombs and bayonets. It's not a war against flesh and blood. In fact, it's not a physical war at all. It's a spiritual war. That's why Paul instructs us to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
The devil's primary scheme is deception. He wants us to believe false ideas about God. And the only way to guard against false ideas is to fill our minds with true ideas. Simply put, we combat deception with truth. It's unfathomable to imagine sending young men and women off to fight a physical war without proper training. Yet, when it comes to spiritual warfare, we do this all the time. The vast majority of our students are simply not prepared for the spiritual battle that awaits them. At this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences, we're training students to counter the lies of the enemy. Lies like God does not exist, God is anti-gay, Muslims and Christians worship the same God are just a few of the false ideas we'll be addressing. So join me and a number of other speakers at one of this year's Rethink Apologetic Student Conferences. Find out more information about Rethink by going to RethinkApologetics.com. That's RethinkApologetics.com. The mission of Apologetics.com is to challenge believers to think and thinkers to believe on the radio, on the internet, and now in the Life of the Mind conferences. If you believe in the work that Apologetics.com is doing, we encourage you to support us with your prayers and also with your tax-deductible gift so that this ministry will continue on the air, on the web, and in events near you. Gifts of any amount are appreciated, and it's very simple to participate. Just go to Apologetics.com and click Donate. It's safe and secure. Or you can send your check or money order to Apologetics.com, 1900 Southwestern Avenue, San Pedro, California, 90732. Thank you for supporting Apologetics.com. All right, let's get back to the Apologetics.com radio show. Good evening. Thanks and welcome back to the second half of our Apologetics.com radio show. Again, my name is Jason Gallagher and I am in studio with my good friend Tony Yu and we are talking tonight a little bit about progressive Christianity. If you uh, have not heard of progressive Christianity, you might have heard of the emergent church and it's really a post-liberal kind of post-modern Christian movement that focuses more on social justice and what we do rather than the substitutionary atonement of Christ in terms of how we are um, redeemed and how we ought to live our lives. So we we spent the first half hour of the show kind of talking about the dangers of this teaching and how important the gospel is to bring about true change and true social justice. Um, And so we wanted to kind of move the conversation towards one area of this progressive Christian movement that we think we might be able to glean a little bit from. But before we get to that conversation, I wanted to throw out our number again. I always forget to do that. Um, You can reach us at 888-995-KKLA. That's 888-995-5552 if you have any questions or comments about the show, or about Christianity in general, or about culture. You know, we've been talking a lot tonight about, uh, you know, some of the cultural things going on, including race, um, the race issues, and um, how the gospel is the answer to all of those things. But one thing that you might find in a progressive Christian church is less focus on 
biblical scriptural teachings um, straight out of the Bible, right? You will find more things that are geared towards people's emotions, you know, uh, that emphasize relationship and community using maybe visual methods, storytelling, and more expressive worship um, instead of just solid truth preaching from Scripture. Um, They might use paintings and slides and drawings and candles. Um, They might show videos or TV clips and sometimes an art exhibit or an art performance will be an entire service, right? And so are those things necessarily bad? Not in and of themselves, right? Should we be seeking to build authentic community and relationship? Should we seek storytelling to kind of inspire people and to stir them in a way that connects with their emotions, Um, Yeah. Should we want people to be more expressive in worship, right, towards God? Sure. Those are not bad things in and of themselves. But when it gets dangerous is when the Scripture takes a backseat to those things, right, and the gospel loses its focus, right? Absolutely. You're more concerned about creating these things communities and things than you are about, you know, people being reconciled to God. So those are some things that you might see, and those are some things that we want to talk a little bit about, this whole idea of facts versus feelings. And I know, Tony, you talk to a lot of people on the streets. You share the gospel with, you know, pretty much anyone who has a heartbeat, (laughs) which I I love and appreciate about you, and... Maybe you could share a little bit about this idea of trying to speak the truth mm-hmm. and connect someone intellectually because I know you're super smart and you have so many different ways of explaining things to people. Um, but how do you bring this aspect of really kind of touching their heart when you're speaking to them, capturing their heart? Um, ben Shapiro famously said, facts don't care about your feelings, and you know the, the whole world erupted. They love that quote. But unfortunately for us Christians, especially for us apologists, many people's feelings don't care about our facts. Mm-hmm. We can throw facts at them all day, and they don't care because they've right. made up their mind. Really, they've made up mm-hmm. their heart, and their mind is following. <clears throat> Someone once said that um, a man's emotions is an elephant. And his reason is a rider. And if the elephant wants to go where it wants to go, the rider is helpless. He's going to go where the elephant wants to go. So when we reach out to people, sometimes the roadblock is an emotional one. Mm -hmm. And if we can speak to the emotions, it's helpful. And I think at the heart of what you and I do on the streets, um, using the law to uh, share the gospel, Mm -hmm. When people are convicted of their sin, we're touching them not only in the intellectual uh, center, Mm -hmm. we're touching them in their heart, because the understanding of sin is a heart issue. So we've already built it into our method of evangelism. Right. Um, 
But as far as getting the word out to make our arguments, the left is really good at narrative, telling stories Mm -hmm. with human interest. Mm -hmm. And you'll see the left do that all the time. Mm -hmm. And very often they will play the victim, whether they're the victim or not, because that always grabs your heart. It tugs at the emotions. Everybody always cheers for the underdog. Right. right? So um, as Christians being uh, preachers of the truth, we never want to manipulate people. Right. But we still want to speak to their emotions. We always want to do it in a truthful way. So for, for Christians, perhaps what you could do if you want to get a point across, let's say you want to warn people about one particular sin, let's say it's alcoholism mm-hmm. or sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Now this is going to take a little bit of courage on your part. Maybe share your story of your struggle in that area. Yeah. Maybe share it on social media if it's mm-hmm. appropriate. Keep in mind who's going to see it. But a true heartfelt story, your story, mm-hmm. and follow it up with scripture and reason. That may be way more effective than just citing the scripture and saying it's wrong. Right. Tell your story, tell what happened, tell the destructive effects of how that sin affected your life. Mm-hmm and be vulnerable. I think you'll get way more eyeballs and way more results than just citing a scripture. Right. Yeah, one thing that I that I often do when I'm talking to people and I am taking them through some of the, you know, the commandments, you know, asking them if they have, you know, lied or stolen. And they do, they admit to it, right? They admit they've lied, they've stolen and I I often say, you know, I've done that too, you know. Mm-hmm. And I might use an example or something. And so they understand that this isn't just, you know, you trying to point out how bad of a person they are. You're like, you know what? I'm in the exact same boat as you. I've right. done all these things, if you know, if not more, right? Um, just like you. You know, I'm really no different than you when it comes to this. And then people understand, like, yeah, this person, this person's being honest with me. You know, they're not just out here trying to you know, earn some brownie points, you know, they actually care about me, you know, and they're being honest and vulnerable, like you said. That reminds me of an incident that was about three weeks ago in Huntington Beach. Mm -hmm. I was speaking to a group of three people and one particular person was interacting with me. I shared the law, shared the gospel with him. And towards the end, I asked him, do you know why I'm speaking to you? Mm -hmm. He said, no. I said, because I love you because you're made in the image of God and I care where you spend eternity. Mm -hmm. And I could see his face. He almost started to cry. Mm. And my daughter was watching from the side. And Mm -hmm. after, after the whole thing, I spoke to my daughter and she confirmed that she thought he was starting to cry as well. Mm. Um, Yeah. So we're not there just to try to make people cry, but we want people to remember the, the, the information and know that it's real know that it's genuine yeah and then we want to encourage them to really follow through with what we talked about right and when they really sense that you care Mm -hmm. they're much more likely to follow through yeah yeah no that's that's totally awesome um you know one of my favorite apologists who i've learned from in this regard is a man named blaise pascal and he lived in the 1600s and he was a scientist, a mathematician, 
philosopher, theologian, apologist, engineer, inventor, writer, just a brilliant man, came to Christ kind of late in life, I think around the age of 30, and back then you didn't live very long compared to today. He, he died by the age of 37 or 38. But in that time, he wrote a series of uh, apologetic, you know, like ideas and thoughts, and they're actually called the Ponsace thoughts. And in this Ponsace, he kind of lays out his apologetic strategy or his game plan. And it's very similar. It's, it's about connecting with the person's heart prior to connecting with their mind. And he says this. He says in his Ponsace number 12, he says that men despise religion. They hate it and are afraid it may be true. He said the cure for this is first to show that religion is not contrary to reason but worthy of reverence and respect. Next, make it attractive Make good men wish it were true, and then show that it is true. So the showing that it is true is like the apologetic part, right? You're proving with evidence and reason that it is true. But prior to that, he says you need to show or make them wish it were true. That is what advertising does to us every day, right? Um, Our culture tries to make things look attractive, to change people's beliefs and to change people's desires, right? They make things look attractive and appealing to the point where men, you know, they want to believe certain things, right? Um, You know, most people today know that smoking is bad for your health, right? But yet people do it, right? They continue to do it and there's continued like advertising towards it, right? So the elephant their feeling, their emotion overpowers their, their their mind or their reason and they do something that they probably know they shouldn't be doing, right? Um, so the culture doesn't sit down and present, here's premise one, here's premise two, here's the conclusion. They don't just put logical arguments on TV commercials, right? They try to reach your heart, you know, with words and pictures and music and videos, right? And Pascal is saying that we should do the same with Christianity. We need to make it attractive so that people want it want it to be true. And once they want it to be true, the apologetics is the easy part that follows, right? And so he first talks about how we need to show the wretchedness of man without God. And the second part is showing the happiness of man with God, right? So we need to, people need to understand that without God, they're wretched, they're lonely, they're miserable, right? This is the reason for so much of the anxiety and loneliness and fear and depression and worry and all those things, right? But with God, you are full of joy, right? At my right hand are pleasures forevermore, God says, right? Uh, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not worry, you know. Cast all your cares upon me, you know. My my burden is light, right? And so these are all these are all Jesus scripture speaking to true places um, of man's wretchedness apart from God, and Christianity has the answer. 
um, it's very similar to the way we evangelize, you know, showing people the bad news before the good news, right? Showing people their sin before we reveal to them the Savior. So it's a very law and gospel um, type approach. Um, part it, it addresses the heart and the feelings, um, and then it addresses the intellect, you know. And here on apologetics.com, we're very familiar with, say, the, the last part, right, the apologetic part. Um, but if a person doesn't want to believe it, it's going to be really difficult, no matter how good your arguments are, right? You know, one thing Blaise Pascal said is that we are usually convinced more easily by reasons we have found ourselves than by those which have occurred to others. Which is why we often use questions yeah. when we speak to strangers on the street about the gospel. Absolutely. Because when they arrive at the answer through their own lips, yeah, that's awesome. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, you let people come to that, you know, conclusion. You don't give it to them. You let them arrive at it. And when they do that, it's powerful and, it, and they remember it. Right. Yeah. When you ask someone, you know, if you died, God judged you, would be would you be headed for heaven or hell? And that person says, I think I'd rightly be headed for hell after you've talked to them. They've condemned themselves. They've yeah, they've condemned you didn't themselves. Condemn them. They've agreed that they are headed to a bad place. And at that point, it's easy, right? It's almost easy. You say, Do you know what God did? Right. Exactly. So that you could not have to go to hell to be saved, that you can be you can go to heaven. If you watch a Ray Comfort evangelism video, almost everything out of his mouth is a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard to convince someone that they should go get their heart cut open, right? Unless they believe that they have a fatal heart disease. Right. Right. You're not going to go to someone who has a healthy heart and say, hey, you know, can I cut your heart open for you? <laughs> but if they know that they have heart disease, then that will be good news, right? Guess what? We can cure, we can, we can fix your heart, right? So with progressive Christianity, they too themselves don't see an issue with their heart. So they're going out and finding other problems in the world to solve. Mm -hmm. such as racism. Mm -hmm. And a lot of their understanding of our current racial tensions mm -hmm. is not based in fact. It's based on limited right. understanding of facts. And, and that's where the, the truth side comes back in. Right. Um, and one of, the ones, one of the areas where they love to, to just hammer on not only progressive Christians, but cr progressives in general in, mm -hmm. the, in the world of politics. They're almost one and the same. If you take progressive politics and add Christianity to it, so it's just the label, mm -hmm. you've got Christian, uh, progressive Christianity. It's the mm -hmm. same thing. So right. um, they're concerned about, for instance, an overrepresentation of blacks in prison. Mm -hmm. um, and, and rightly so. Uh, Blacks, they're overrepresented by a factor of three relative to their proportion of the population. Mm -hmm. But what they also fail to recognize is when you look at children growing up in single parent homes, 
blacks are three times as likely to grow up in a single family home, single mm-hmm. parent home mm-hmm. than whites. Isn't it an, an interesting fact that they're both three? It's because there's a very high statistical correlation between uh, broken homes and crime. Hmm. Right. And when you look, Absolutely. When yeah. you look at the population, blacks are overrepresented. But when you look at the crime right. statistics based on race, they're underrepresented. Mm-hmm. So you got to look at all the data, not just a piece of the data. Right. So, so this is a, this is an example of them, how they will use that statistic, right. To appeal to a person's heart. Right. Right. That someone is being abused. Yeah. Look how many, look how many more people, more black people are in prison than compared to the population. Right. In general. Factor three. Factor of three. And so that makes us think, wow, there must be some prejudice, Mm -hmm. some bias towards black people but logically it wouldn't be like that logically speaking that's not the only possible solution to that question right right the other possible solution so that's where the feeling the feeling comes in and i think it's a Mm -hmm. right feeling right right i think it's a right feeling you know out of care and love for our neighbor but so you take that feeling and now let's look at the fact and as tony just said yeah another fact is when you look at murder by race, mm-hmm. blacks are almost five times as likely to commit a murder than whites. Mm-hmm. So if you take that five compared to the three to where they're over, overrepresented by population, right. they're underrepresented based on behavior. Right. So the question that we should be asking, if we, if we care about this imbalance of popula- prison population, right, which we should, but if we care about this imbalance, we need to be looking, why is it there? Right. Why is this imbalance there? Find the real problem. And then let's look towards the facts because we care about these people and say, what is going to be the remedy? If black lives problem? matter to you, you're going to find the real source of the problem and go after that, right. not some assumption. Right. right. So, yeah. So th- keep that, but they're using it they're saying this, the problem is just the police, the system. And so mm-hmm. what are we going to do? We're going to defund the police. Which, right, that's... M- many so, in the black community want more policing. Right. But they, they, take their, they take their game plan, they take their narrative, and then they just drive it to their kind of political, quote-unquote, social justice mm-hmm. conclusion. But if we truly care about the lives, what should we be looking at? We should be looking, if at, looking at if we want to fix this problem. What yeah. are some of the things we should be looking at? Let me throw out a few facts that will touch your heart. Yeah. Okay. I had just mentioned that blacks are almost three times as likely to grow up in a single parent home as whites, but boys who are fatherless from birth are more than three times as likely to go to jail as peers from intact families. Mm-hmm. So the number one thing you want to do is to make sure that the black family stays intact. Mm-hmm. All the families, best thing right? you can do for, for the black community mm-hmm. is to support the family, mm-hmm. whether it's counseling or teaching the Bible, teaching biblical sexual ethics, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to keep the black family together and keep the father engaged in, in the life of the child. And who is doing that? Progressive Christians aren't. 
Right. Um, biblical Christian churches, when they're doing their job, they are building families up. among other things, right. sexual ethics, family ethics, God's uh, law on how families should operate. Teaching, teaching men how to be fathers, how, how to, to be, be responsible, how to be responsible. Right. And that, that more than anything else is going to support black, the, the black right. community. Yeah. And you are not alone in saying this. In 2013, Don Lemon, Don Lemon, he's a he's a really well-known, you know, media, you know, talking spokesperson, CNN anchor. CNN. In 2013, he said pretty much exactly what you just said. Um, and it's a quote from dailywire.com. And there's a video of it. But he said this. He says, more than 72% of the children in African-American community are born out of wedlock. That means absent fathers. And the studies show that a lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison. And the cycle continues. So please, black folks, this is Don Lemon speaking. As I said, if this doesn't apply to you, I'm not talking to you. Pay attention to and think about what has been presented in recent history as acceptable behavior. Pay close attention to the hip-hop and rap culture that many of you embrace, a culture that glorifies everything I just mentioned, thug and reprehensible behavior, a culture that is making a lot of people rich, just not you, and it's not going to. So that was Don Lemon in 2013 speaking at that time to black communities and at that time it was perfectly fine for him to be saying that but not anymore today in (laughs) 2020 for him to say that to him to say that it is you know he wasn't saying it's systemic systemic racism in our in our police you know force and this was under you know a black president at the time as well right barack obama um but if he were to say that today he would be completely probably fired in you know less than 24 hours um for saying something like that for suggesting something like that and so the truth has been pushed aside for for feelings and that should grieve us right because they're missing they're missing the true root cause and therefore solution to this problem Another area that progressive Christianity is really concerned about is poverty. But get this, the poverty rate for all children in married couple families was 8.2%. By contrast, the poverty rate for all children in single parent families was four times higher at 35.2%. Mm. If you want blacks to get out of poverty, keep them married. Mm. Amen. So we are getting close to the end of our show, and we've been talking about progressive Christianity. We've been talking about speaking to people's hearts as well as their minds. And I want to leave you guys with some things to look for. And in case you might be at a church that is leaning towards progressive Christianity, and it's from an article by Elisa Childers. And I'm going to list five things, but you could find this on uh, her website, elisachilders.com. And one thing to look for is a lowered view of the Bible. Another thing to look for is feelings emphasized over facts. Third, you might see essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation, such like the resurrection of Jesus. 
Historic terms are redefined. God wouldn't punish sinners because he's love, right? Um, And five, the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. These are some things to look for to make sure that your church is not heading towards progressive Christianity. So we appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Um, I wanted to say thank you to Tony Yu for being here in studio with me. Remember, if you guys want to, Huntington Beach, Pier 7, Lifeguard Tower, number 7. Tomorrow, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., there's an evangelism opportunity for you to grow, for you to worship and grow in your faith with some other believers. So until next Friday night, uh, this is Jason Gallagher with Apologetics.com saying keep the faith.